That was awesome. Wow. Happy Mother's Day. We've said it a lot of times, but yeah, happy Mother's Day to the, the physical mothers and also the spiritual mothers in our community. We are so grateful for all of you and we celebrate you. So my name is Joy McCann and I have a little bit of Irish in me. I have the ginger hair. I am from a very creative Irish family. They do a lot of painting. They're very fun. My aunties have this sort of similar color of hair, even if now they dye it sometimes because, you know, they're getting older, but they still like to keep this color, like me and my sister. And my dad actually used to have this color, but you wouldn't know now. I am also a little bit English. I am from a family of farmers in England with a very, very strong-rooted faith, very, very big on hospitality. Now, the reason I'm telling you these things is because it matters where we come from. It matters to acknowledge who we are. And actually, most of the time, I just stand here and say, I'm Joy, I'm part of this team, and I continue. But actually, there is something about knowing where we come from. I'm also Joy McCann, who is a member of this amazing community. And I just want today to honor um, two of our leaders, um, Edgar and George. I just want to say that for me, to be standing where I'm standing right now is because of the grace of God on their leadership and the way that they have led me through. I think it was about a year and a half ago, I told Edgar, I don't like speaking. Please don't make me speak again. I don't like it. And he said, why? And I said, to be honest, I don't like that people are looking at me. <laughs> and he said, but people have to look at you to speak. I said, yeah. But he said, so when you stand up there, that's the thing you don't like. I said, yeah. And to be honest, he really pushed me to keep speaking because I really would have liked to just sit down and stop doing this. It was getting too challenging. But I'm very, very thankful for his gift of leadership in my life and the blessing it has brought me because actually I'm starting to really enjoy being up here and talking to you. I don't mind that you're looking at me. So you can look at me. You can even pull some faces. I don't mind. I actually like that. God gives me something to say, and I'm actually able to say it and not look at you and freak out. I also am the same with worship. When I came here, I had never led worship before, and it was something that I never thought I would do. And it was through the leadership from George that I sat in the practices, just thinking I was going to be singing along and going home, only to be told, you should stand and sing with us, you should lead with us. And over time, I, I didn't agree immediately. Over time, I actually realized, yes, I think this is something God is calling me to. And I remember the Sunday where I said, okay, I will actually come up with you guys. And he has led me through, he has guided me, he has helped me so much. Both of the guys, I just feel we want to honor them from this stage today. I feel that we want to honor the gift on their leadership, the blessing that they have brought. So can we just give a round of applause for our two amazing leaders? We speak blessing, we speak favor, we speak anointing, and we speak goodness over their lives in Jesus' name. Amen. So that's who I am. I have a little bit of, little bit of everything, really. Um, and what we're really looking at in this series is that we are looking backwards to look forward. We're looking backward in order to be able to move forward. Our series is called Looking Backward, Moving Forward. And last week was our introduction. Pastor Edgar led us through how we have to understand how in order to move forward, we must be able to look backward. We must be able to see where we've come from, the good 
and the bad and how it has shaped us into who we are today and how we can move forward from that place. Our key scripture that I would like us to all read together and if we could just stand together for the reading of the word of God is from Exodus 34 verses 6 to 7. So if we can just read together, if it can be, if it's up there, yeah, perfect, thank you. So let's read together. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Blessed be the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you. So this is where we started last week. And this was the scripture that we're using where God is showing Moses. Moses, a guy in the Old Testament in the very beginning of the Bible who God really revealed himself to. God is saying, this is who I am. I am a God who is abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin, but not leaving the guilty unpunished. And it says he punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. So last week we talked about generational sin. We talked about how we're all wounded, but Jesus wants to heal our wounds, that we can go to counseling. If counseling is available for you, it's very, very good, and it's a very wise resource to take up. However, we also need to look at these things in the church. We also need to understand that spiritual and emotional maturity go hand in hand. We cannot just look at one thing and forget the other. In the church, we need to be looking at our past, at what has happened to us, at how it has shaped us, at some of the generational sin that we have been dealing with. But also we want to be looking at the generational blessing. This verse has two parts. It's saying God is abounding in love and faithfulness. And so we're gonna just park what we spoke last week and Pastor Edgar is gonna continue with that from next week. But what we actually wanna do today is kinda like, you know those movies where you actually see a clip from the end at the beginning? So you start watching it and you think this actually looks like a complete picture. Why are we watching this now? We should be watching the story. What we're actually gonna do today is just look a little bit at generational blessing and what it means so that we know what we're journeying towards, right? So that we start with some of the good stuff as well because it's all indeed good, but we just wanna see where we're actually heading and understand what generational blessing really is what it is to receive blessing from generation to generation. I was looking up the definition of the word blessing. I was just curious, I was like, you know, if I'm speaking on this, what exactly is it in the dictionary? What do we understand blessing to be? And I was amazed to find that it means God's favor and protection. I was amazed by that because I was realizing that it actually is something from God, blessing. We use that word a lot in church, we use it so frequently, but actually it's because it is God's favor and protection. That is what blessing means. We need to understand that while there is generational sin and relational brokenness, every family is known by God and every family carries some of God's blessing. In every family of origin, both naturally and supernaturally, it is God who puts us in our family and each family carries some of his blessing. Each family may not know it. It doesn't mean that every family 
believes and has the same faith in Jesus that we have. However, God is kind. He is merciful to those who know him and also those who don't. And he puts his blessing in each family and he wants to call it out. And that's part of what we're going to be doing today is calling that out. So I'm quite excited. I feel like it's a really amazing thing for us to be looking at today. I want to tell a story about a man. His name was Russell. And I don't think we hear that name around here that much, do we? But he was in a small country town in England. And he was, as a little boy, he was quite rebellious and naughty. So there would be stories about Russell putting, you know, a, a frog inside a little girl's hat at school so that when she lifted it and put it on her head, you know, the frog starts jumping around on her head and she freaked out. That was a very common story from Russell's life. There would be things like that. He would also, um, what we would call in the UK, play truant from school. I think basically it means he would bunk off school. He would not want to go to school. He'd be sent out the door by his mum to go to school, but then they'd find him on the farm with the cows. He loved farming. He didn't want to be at school. He didn't want to be obedient. He was kind of rebellious. He was very funny and he had a lot of jokes with his friends. Even the, the frog in the hat is kind of funny unless you're the little girl. He was really like energetic and timely, and timely and he loved what he was doing but it was not really the sort of normal path that people would take. He was a bit rebellious and there was brokenness there in his life. So he met a lady called Joan. What actually happened was they would be Joan would ride her bike home from school and Russell had a bike too and he would actually get on his bike and sort of follow her because he, he liked her. And so he would be following her home from school many, many days until eventually they actually got to talking and she was asking, you know, why are you following me? You know, I kind of like you, but I'd like to know a bit more. And actually from that, they fell in love, they started dating, they got engaged, they got married. Now, Russell and Joan at that stage, they were not... Um, Christians. They didn't know Jesus. They were part of a Christian church, yes, and they, they would have like gone to church and probably said, we are Christian, but they didn't know Jesus in their hearts. They hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit. They hadn't received him. So soon after they got married, Joan received Jesus. She actually got to know him in her heart, and she really prayed that Russell would come to know Jesus like her. She was baptized, and she was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she just would look at her husband who was still, he was out on the farm a lot. He was just sort of rebellious in different ways, broken, um, a little bit snappy. And she would be wondering, how is this going to come that he will come to know Jesus? So there was a Billy Graham crusade. I think some of us um, here know about those. Um, he, he used to come and he actually came to the area where they were and did a five-day crusade. And every night, Joan would say to Russell, please, would you come with me? Please, would you come? And he just, every night, he said, no, I have to be out with the cows, or I have to be with the kids. They had two kids by then, Janet and Roger. And she was just constantly praying until the final night. She asked him again, please, would you come? And this night, he agreed. And it was like he knew what he was running from, because as soon as he was in there, the Spirit overpowered him, the Spirit of God. He went to the front when they called people to receive Jesus. He received Jesus, and his life completely changed. His life was completely transformed. He, the emptiness that had been in him was filled, and he knew that he had met the real Jesus, the Savior that his wife had been talking about, and now they both were really, really strong in Jesus very quickly. 
So they would then pray a lot together. They would be very, very frequent members of the prayer meetings. They were a farming couple, so he was on the farm all the time. She was the farmer's wife inside cooking for him. There wasn't a lot that they could do. They did Sunday school and things like that. But they were, what I'm trying to say is they were ordinary people. They don't have their name in lights anywhere. They were ordinary people who would pray a lot for their grandchildren. They would sit and they would pray for their grandchildren. They would be hospitable. They would welcome people. They would run Sunday school. They would be in the prayer meetings. And they would even on their deathbeds pray through the night. We would be hearing them pray through the night. I say we would be hearing them because Russell and Joan are my grandparents. They were um, alive for about 92 years, both of them. They died in the same year. They had been married for 69 years. And so they knew each other so well that I think once Russell had died, once my granddad had died, my granny just naturally, she just couldn't hold it together and her body deteriorated and they died in the same year. It was the year I came to Kenya, but that's another story. So I just want to speak to us about the blessing that has come through them to our family. How even until now, sometimes I will think, or my sister says the same thing, we ask ourselves, what would granny and granddad say to do here? What would they have done? Their example was an ordinary couple. It was not people who have their names written in any book anywhere. But yet their influence and their blessing that they have poured down has been influential to our family, even to my sister's daughter. She still speaks about them and about the way they love Jesus. She still remembers that. They had physical blessing that they handed down, which was the farm, and that is still in our family today, and some property, some land, some houses. A sense of humor that I believe we still have that I know came from my granddad. My sister has it a bit more than me. I can be a bit slow to pick jokes sometimes. But they really have influenced our family and brought generational blessing down through the years to us. Even being from a broken man like Russell, even being from Joan in her brokenness, wanting to know Jesus, there were things in their hearts, and it's really weird to call them by their name because I was never allowed to call them by their name, but now I'm allowed. Um, but what I just want to explain to us is that these things can be handed down. This is what generational blessing is. My granny always prayed for overseas mission work and would talk to me a lot about Africa long before I ever came here. And there was just something that they have left us with that is ongoing, that is generational blessing handed down. They weren't perfect. Even once Russell had known Jesus, his brokenness came out at times and we'd go, and oh, stay away from granddad this morning. But actually, a lot of mornings what we would find is we'd walk into the kitchen and he'd be sitting with his Bible. And this is actually, some of you, if you come to prayer, you see I use this Bible a lot. This is his Bible. It has his name in it. It has things he's underlined. He left that for us. And actually, you would walk into the kitchen, see him reading that, and it would be like there was somebody else at the table with him and you couldn't get any conversation. Six in the morning, before he goes out onto the farm, and I'd be sort of walking around and he would be like he's talking to somebody across the table that wasn't me. Those are the things that in any ordinary situation we can hand down through generations. And why is this important to us today? Even in the Bible, we read about a man, we spoke about him a few weeks ago, called Abraham. And he was told to leave everything to inherit the blessing of God. That seems random, right? Leave everything, and then you will inherit the blessing of God. But sometimes that's what it costs. Sometimes whatever everything is to you, 
It can be different things. It could be a reputation. It could be things that you used to do. It could even be some friends that you used to hang out with. There can be different things that we can be asked to leave to inherit the blessing of God. But he was also told that all his descendants would be blessed. We, we can see generational blessing as wealth, and it is. Abraham left many pieces of land and camels and all of these things to his son. But it is also much more than that. There is a spiritual blessing that was handed down from Abraham to his son Isaac. And we're actually going to read about what happened when Abraham died and what God said to his son, who was now Isaac. His son had come through impossible circumstances. You may know the story. You can go to Genesis and read it from sort of Genesis 20 onwards. But I just want us to read today about this son that had now come, Isaac, that had come through a barren wife that through years and years of waiting finally conceived and had this son, Isaac, whose name means to laugh because it was so joyful when she received what she had promised. In Genesis 26, 24 to 25, Abraham has just died and this is what God says to his son, Isaac. That night, the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bless you and will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant, Abraham. Isaac built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. There he pitched his tent and there his servants dug a well. I thought that last part was really interesting that Isaac hears about the blessing of the Lord. He'd seen it in his father Abraham. We know his father Abraham's life wasn't straightforward. There were many difficulties, but ultimately there was a blessing that was handed down from Abraham to Isaac. And this is what we're reading about today, that God is very interested in generational blessing. He's very interested in things being handed down from generation to generation. Whatever your family of origin, wherever you are from, even if you feel like for me there would be nothing from my family, I promise you there will be because God doesn't leave anybody out. There are things that we can even speak back into being that Jesus can restore and we're going to speak about that in a moment. But when Isaac heard that there was a blessing, when he heard, yes, God is saying, do not be afraid, I will bless you and increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. Isaac built an altar and he called on the name of the Lord and he pitched his tent and his servants dug a well. When we become aware of the blessing of God and when we even become aware that it is in our family, even if we don't know where, we can build upon it. That's what Isaac did. He built an altar he built an altar there and called it the name of the Lord. He built an altar to God and said, I want your blessing. That's what I want. And through this whole series, we will learn about that because these people right in the beginning of the Bible, they really wanted his blessing to the point where they did some crazy things to get it. They built upon it. He also drew from it. He dug a well. He actually is going, this is somewhere where this is going to be healthy and good. And I want to draw from what God has given here. If there is a blessing from my father Abraham, I want to draw from it. I want to pitch my tent here. This is where I want to be. That needs to be our attitude towards generational blessing. We might, in human terms, see families that we think are more blessed than ours. But God is saying to you today, in your family, there is a blessing. Kuna baraka and dania family yako. Eko. Even if you can't see it, eko. Tafuta utapata. Kuna baraka and dania family yako na utapata. Eko. 
And God wants to bless and increase and grow our faith to understand that there is blessing. When Jesus comes on the scene, he continues to complete the blessing of Abraham by sacrificing his life for us to purchase salvation that his spirit would live in us. In the days of Abraham, they built these altars, they were worshiping God, but God had not yet sent his Holy Spirit to dwell in them through the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus actually says in in his word and in the Bible, he says, before Abraham even was, I was there. We know from John 1 that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. The word is Jesus. The word is life. This is complicated, it's, it's extravagant, but if we can just even catch it, even let it just go into our minds, I believe God's spirit will reveal how that's even possible. That Jesus is actually the blessing that enables the blessings of Abraham to be stronger in our lives than we ever knew possible. Jesus is actually the person that can redeem and heal brokenness. He can actually heal brokenness to make it into a blessing, just like with my granddad. He could have been a very broken, rebellious person for his whole life, but who came in? Jesus. He inherited the blessing of Abraham and it was completed through the sacrifice of Jesus. In Galatians 3.14, this is a book in the New Testament, Jesus speaks about this, we we read about it, Paul was writing, but he's telling us that Jesus actually redeemed us so that the blessing of Abraham might come to us. So we're gonna just read that one verse, Galatians 3.14. It says, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles, that's us, people like us, through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. He's enhancing on the blessing. He's enhancing on the blessing that we have as children of God, as children of faith, and saying, actually, Jesus redeemed us even from the things that were lost, so that through Jesus, we might, through faith, receive the promise of the Spirit. The blessing of God is both natural and supernatural. The two are called into one. So we can look and say, I inherited this from my family. I've gained this blessing. I have these looks. I have this humor. I have this wisdom. I have this gifting. Those things are really beautiful and amazing. And those are called the family of blessing, the ones that we actually get from our family. However, there's also a supernatural blessing, kind of what I was referring to today, where we can have people who are not necessarily in our bloodline, but they hand down supernatural blessings to us. And that's actually what we're talking about just as much as we're talking about the family blessing. Maybe you don't have children of your own. Maybe you are just struggling to see who you could be handing down your blessing to once you're looking for it, once you're trying to find it, where could the blessing actually go? But you're invited to transform the next generation by sharing your natural blessings, but also by being spiritual mothers and fathers. You're actually called to bless and encounter those around you and show them the example that you have gained through being a spiritual mother or father. Even in the vineyard churches, we so often talk about John Wimber and probably some people hear it so many times, but the reason we talk about it isn't that we idolize John, but it's that what he handed down to us in the vineyard churches movement is so critical to our heritage, it's so inspirational and mind-blowing that we actually still talk about him today as a spiritual father. He's not anything big, and he would have said that himself. He was one of the most humble men I've heard. But yet, we actually honor what he's handed down. 
Just like I was speaking today, I honor the leaders that have put me in this place. And I know you honor the leaders that have put you where you are and enabled you to grow. When we understand that the blessing of God is both natural and supernatural, we can look at our families, whichever kind of family we come from. Even if we look and say, actually, you did this, you did that, you did the other. We're going to look at those things. We're going to deal with those things because they are important. But we ultimately have to understand there is a blessing. There is a blessing that was spoken by God right back in those days of Abraham that was blessed through Jesus that is living in us both spiritually and naturally. We can actually find and encounter this blessing. And I want to just use um, an illustration to try and show us what we've been speaking about a bit. So I want to show us how this piece of paper is like our lives, okay? It's like our lives. When we are born, we are all handed a clean sheet of paper, right? And it looks like it's just, it's just one, it's just us. So what I want to show us now is how through our life sometimes we can be shaped, we can be molded. There can be things cut off of us or things changed in us. So if you just bear with me for a moment and watch, I'm going to show how that happens. Thank you for your patience. Okay, so I want us to see how over time our lives can sort of become a bit shaped, a bit sort of even broken slightly. There can be different things that we inherit that we don't understand. And there can be what I'd call some gaps, right? And we think that this only applies to us. But actually, over time, it applies to the generations after us. It actually comes, we have to be aware of where we are now because the generations after us will actually carry a lot of the same shapes and a lot of the same brokenness unless we deal with them. However, we have Jesus. We have the blessing of God. We have the promises that we've inherited. We have the good things that we inherit from our family that we want to understand. And what I want to show us is when we look at those things, God actually wants to fill it with his blessing. He actually wants to fill it with his healing. He actually wants us to shine like stars in a dark sky, like the descendants of Abraham that he was told you will shine like stars. He actually wants us to increase and grow in blessing. He actually wants the places, even the places that were broken or were at least empty, 
for us to see that they are indeed filled with blessing, for us to see that they are filled with the favor and promise of God. And where we feel they are not, and where we feel there is brokenness and defeat, where we feel lost, he actually wants to say, let me come and fill that. Let me come and fill that place with me, with my presence, with my promises, with my loyalty and joy. That's what he's speaking over us as a community. And it will look different for different people. It will sit in different ways. But actually, that's, that's what he's speaking. God is not speaking anything other than blessing over us. When we know Jesus and Jesus has come into our heart, his sacrifice was complete. His sacrifice was not needing anything extra. He was enough. The blood of the Lamb of God is enough for every pain, for every wound, for everything that we're going to spend this series talking about. So I invite us into it expectantly, openly, because everything has been created and understood by God. God has not made a mistake. Wherever in your life you feel like even I'm going to hand down something really bad because of what I've done, no. Jesus wants to fill that place. Jesus wants to bring healing to the point where it will become a blessing. And he wants us to recognize the blessings that are already there, both naturally and supernaturally. As I invite the band back up, I just want to read a scripture over us that kind of embodies all of this, how Jesus has actually come to bless, to restore, and to unite blessing in our lives. And I just encourage you to just sit and wait for what God's going to speak. Yeah, we're going to have some response time, and I just want just to see what God is wanting to do. So yeah, I'm just going to pray for a moment if that's okay. That's just learning not to rush ahead sometimes. Let's just listen to what's